Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Let me uh, go to a couple of messages here. This is a, uh, a DM uh, from Russ who says, uh, we're talking about uh, in the last hour, the name of the, uh, the fight spot behind our high school was called The Bridge because it was literally a bridge over a creek. It was, not, it was like 10 feet long, about five or six feet wide. So you didn't actually fight on the bridge, but you would meet at the bridge after school. And then you would go off school property so this way they couldn't get you, you know? It's like, if it didn't happen on school property, then, like, the school is like, ah, not our problem. The Bridge. Russ says, the bridge is not a very creative name for the after-school fight spot. We had, at our school, the, quote, gravel lot by the soccer fields. Not only super creative, it really rolled off the tongue. That's true. It's a far superior name, Russ. Far superior. Uh, regarding the uh, the polling out of the uh, Palestinian areas of the West Bank and Gaza that found widespread support for the October 7th attacks um, and a belief that they are going to emerge victorious, Mark says, quote, they are truly delusional. Um, by the way, also there is a report here from Jonathan Shanzer who was a former U.S. Treasury uh, official. In, uh, he was a terror finance analyst. Uh, he's uh, author of four books on the Middle East, and uh, he is reporting Hamas is refusing to release all of the children hostages, according to new reports out of Israel. Um, what else? I saw there was... Oh, well... There's also, um, I mentioned a little bit of this yesterday, where uh, the the Gen Zs, or what did we come up with? We had a different name for the Gen As. What were they? Gen A. No, what was there was a different name I thought we had come up with that we were going to call them something else. I thought we had come up with a different name. Dang it. Oh, that's the problem. Sometimes I come up with these ideas under the cone of creativity, and then I don't remember them. I should really write all this stuff down. If only we were capturing my thoughts in real time for posterity. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Gen A, supposedly, this is they're going to they're looping it back around, you know, um, because Gen X they started with, and X was not actually supposed to be like the letter of the alphabet. It was just like a placeholder, whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, then Gen Y came along, but then they got the they got renamed the Millennials, I think. And then Gen Z, and they're they're holding on to that letter, Gen Z. And now they want to loop it back around. But Bernie informed me a couple of weeks ago that they were going to try to name the next generation these kids that are coming up now as Gen Alpha, Generation Alpha, and like that's not the case. So I'd be okay with Gen A but you'd have to pronounce it in the Forrest Gump pronunciation. That's all. Um, and by the way, did you know that we've been pronouncing our governor's name wrong all this time? Did you know that? 
I'll get to that later in the later in the hour. I will get to that. But um, apparently, the Gen Zs and the Gen As they have uh, they have discovered the propaganda letter quote letter to America that Osama bin Laden allegedly wrote, where he justified all of his terrorism. Right, and the thing is, um, it's all just propaganda. It's all just justification because what he actually wants is for all of the infidels to die. And in fact, he did say that in the ABC interview when uh, John Miller, I believe, was his name. And he asked him, like, "Okay, let's say that your list of demands are all met. And uh, U.S. pulls out of Saudi Arabia, oil for food program ends, you get rid of all of these sanctions, right, all of that stuff. And uh, then and then you leave us alone. And he said, no, probably not. Maybe if you went to the moon, that's what he said. Maybe if you all of you move to the moon, then we would leave you alone. See, it it's all just cover story BS. The, the, it's just rationalizations, which are, as Jeff Goldblum taught us in the documentary Big Chill, um, they're more important than sex. Right. Try to get through a day without a rationalization. So now you've got all of these young Western leftists who have uh, all of a sudden like read this letter to America and they're pulling the, uh, well, actually, make some pretty good points. But I'm totally not a Nazi or a terrorist sympathizer. So I came across this. uh, Oh, and by the way, here, I'll uh, uh, go ahead and let you know that uh, this was being spread on Instagram and on TikTok who have now cracked down on the spread of these videos. Users were reading the letter on uh, the TikTok platform, uh, you know, the Chinese Communist Party-linked TikTok platform, um, and uh, and on the Instagram. These are, by the way, uh, I'm going to explain this in a minute, but, th- like, what that letter does is it outlines these rationalizations and justifications that are very, very attractive to Marxists because, as you will hear in a moment, it likely was co-authored by a Marxist American Jew. Isn't that amazing? Did you know this? Ismael Royer. He is the founder of an Islamic news and analysis webzine or blog or publication from years ago. Um, He's a writer. He's been published in the Washington Post, USA Today, American Conservative, Public Discourse, Newsday, so all over the place. And he did a a series of tweets about this in response to uh, the news that for the you know, for like 24 hours, 48 hours, thousands, literally thousands of TikToks were posted where people share how they just read bin Laden's infamous letter to America in which he explained why he attacked the United States. And so what Ismail Royer says is bin Laden's letter resonates with a segment of young people because it was most likely ghostwritten by Adam Gadan. Remember that name? I mean, if you're a Gen Z or Gen A, you will not know that name. But if you're older, you should. A Californian child of hippies who converted to Islam, then beat up the imam of his mosque, and then made his way to Al-Qaeda. 
where he became a high-level propagandist. Adam Gadan, also known as Azam the American, or Abu Suhab al-Amriki, or Adam Perlman. That was his real name, Adam Perlman. His parents changed their last name from Perlman to Gadan right after they were married. He grew up in rural California on a farm. His family lived in a very rustic uh, lifestyle kind of way. He reportedly did not watch TV or use a computer as a child. At age 18, he moved in with his paternal grandparents who were secular Jews. Age 18, Adam converts to Islam at the Islamic Society of Orange County, California. His witness is the chairman of the mosque, Haitham Bundaji. He gets banned, Adam gets banned from the mosque after he strikes Bundakji. He then leaves the United States. He moves to Pakistan. Uh, sorry, Pakistan. The FBI releases Gadan's name in 2004 and says he is part of an Al-Qaeda cell planning attacks meant to disrupt the 2004 presidential election. So that was George W. Bush versus uh, John F. Kerry, who I believe served in Vietnam, if I remember correctly. I've heard it reported. No. Adam Gadan or Gadon. He's dead now, by the way. But according to this uh, Ishmael Royer, he said the letter to America reads like it was co-written by Adam, who was a propagandist with Osama bin Laden. And Adam was a Marxist. This has been the connection. It continues to be the connection. It's why you're seeing all the black bloc people that used to march with Antifa. Now they're marching with Palestinians. It doesn't matter. The issue is never the issue. Marxism is the issue. Deconstructing Western society and capitalism, that's really the issue. All of these other things are excuses. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Adam Gadon. Gadan, he's dead, so I don't really care how I pronounce the terrorist's name, but um, he was an American who fled uh, America and uh, went to live in Pakistan and then hooked up with Al-Qaeda, and uh, because of his uh, ability to propagandize in English, he rose through the ranks of Al-Qaeda, becoming a propagandist for them. And he would release videos. He released several videos over years and years and years. Um, from 2004 on, a videotape is released where he praises bin Laden. Next year in 05, he threatens attacks against Los Angeles and Melbourne, Australia. 2006, 
marking the one-year anniversary uh, anniversary of terrorist attacks in London. Also in 06, uh, he's introduced by Ayman al-Zawahiri, architect of 9-11, the, the guy also who beheaded Daniel Pearl, right? Uh, 2006, the fifth anniversary of 9-11, puts out another video, 06. He is charged with treason and providing material support to terrorists. There is a reward for up to $1 million for information leading to his capture. 07, he warns the U.S. to end involvement in the affairs of Muslim countries in another video. 08, another video renouncing his citizenship. He tears up his U.S. passport. Ten months later, another video calling for the establishment of the Islamic State, the Ummah. 2009, a new videotape of Gadan is released. Speaking in Arabic, he acknowledges his Jewish ancestry. 2010, he releases a video praising Nidal Hassan, the soldier who was charged with killing 13 people at Fort Hood. 2010, Gadan appears in a new videotape mocking Obama. Take that, Gen Z, Gen A's. He mocked Obama, calling him a devious, evasive, and serpentine American president with a Muslim name. Uh, another video in 2010, September, 2010, October. Another one uh, where he praises the underwear bomber. Uh, 2011, he urges followers to attack American targets. 2012, he appears in Ayman al-Zawahiri's 9-11 anniversary message video. Um, he condemns statements by Obama in that video uh, where Obama had said that the U.S. is not at war with Islam. And what Adam, the propagandist for al-Qaeda said was America is crystal clear about its opposition to Islam as a political system, Islam as a ruling system, and the essence of Islam. So how can America say that it is not at war with Islam? See, here's the thing. When you get the blowback, the pushback from the protest activist crowd that accuse me or you or America or Americans in general of, you know, being at, you know, uh, uh, equating Islam with terrorism and all this other stuff— the terrorists themselves say these things. They're the ones that are saying these things. All I'm doing is say we should listen to them. This is this is their motivation. And that should that should inform us in our response. How we assess the threats, how we behave in reaction to their beliefs. I'm not saying what they're saying. I'm saying we need to listen to them and understand what they are saying. 2012, he then releases another video supporting the uprisings throughout the Middle East and North Africa. He releases another video in 2013. Um, and, uh, do, 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 and then 2015, he's dead. Yep, he's dead in 2015, killed in a U.S. government counterterrorism operation. And this is the guy that, according to uh, Ismail Royer, helped bin Laden write the, quote, letter to America, which is basically a Marxist screed masquerading as some sort of pro-Muslim rationalization for targeting innocent people. All right, let's go over here to the phone lines, and this is Buster. Welcome to the program, Buster. Oh, hey, Pete, how are you? Hey, I am all right. How are you? Okay, well, you I uh, really appreciate it. I uh, really uh, enjoy your show, and especially the last 10 minutes. But I want to go back to something that I think you were talking about earlier uh, when I first tuned in. And, and I want to talk about what I think a Republican president uh, would do about Hamas and the situation 
over uh, in Gaza. Okay. And uh, I think this is something that certainly Trump or DeSantis would do, and maybe Nikki Haley, and I guess it's not too late for Biden if he's listening uh, to take this advice, too. But I'd, I'd get the special forces, and uh, I'd send them over to uh, another country, which, uh, as of news reports a month ago, would have been Qatar. I don't know if we still have the intelligence that the head of Hamas is there. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'd drag him out of the, his bed in the middle of the night in his underwear and uh, send him over to Jerusalem to Bibi Netanyahu. What? And uh, I think that would, uh, you know, cut off the head of the snake and uh, probably uh, lead to a resolution of the issue. There are a couple of the of these leaders of Hamas. There's, uh, I think there are like three or four of them, like the top uh, cadre there. Um, I, I mean, you got to believe that getting to those guys is super hard. It's going to take a lot of intel, a lot of patience, a lot of, you know, uh, planning and that sort of thing. Um and I don't know if that's our I don't know if that's our job to do it. I think um, I think the Israelis have proven yeah. over the course of the uh, you know <laughs> their existence they're pretty adept at doing that kind of operation too. Yeah, well, yeah. that's that's a good. Point. I would yeah. I, I would I would venture to guess that they probably are already working on such a plan. You know. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Yeah, uh, Buster. I appreciate it, buddy. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. Take Bye-bye. care. Yeah. No. It's I. I am in no position to say what Israel should or shouldn't do on this. Like, they are their own country. They got attacked by a terrorist camp on their border. That's, like, you you you, you do what you have to do. If, if something like that had happened, launched at us out of Ottawa, right? I mean, that, like, I don't, I would not listen to anybody else from around the world telling us what we should or shouldn't do. I would not. So... I, I offer no guidance to the Israelis, as if they need my <laughs> expert opinion on the matter. Um, so let me go, let, let me give you the background here on this guy, Adam Gadan. Gadan. Gadid. Anyway, he um, this is from, again, a fellow by the name of Ishmael Royer. He's the founder of, his, of uh, an Islamic news and analysis uh, webzine, as it was called back in the day. Um he said Gadan has obviously had obviously binged on Noam Chomsky and Howard Zinn. So nearly all his videos for Al Qaeda have this whole people's history content delivered in his shrill, haranguing, unhinged style. I say he most likely wrote or co-wrote bin Laden's letter simply because it ticks off the constant themes of Gadan's videos and writings and shares his writing style with its left-leaning foundational outlook interlaced with the moral concerns associated with social conservatism and subject matter that is at times totally irrelevant to the concerns of somebody like bin Laden. I mean, at one point he's talking about the Kyoto Protocol. Like, what? But that is a topic that is extremely salient to somebody like Gadan, a Western convert with a leftist background. If Gadan didn't have first pen, he certainly was involved in the drafting of that letter. It's trivially true and not handing it to bin Laden or Gadan to note that the letter makes some good or at least arguable points. So do those who shaped his worldview, like Chomsky and Zinn and Karl Marx. 
So it's pretty understandable and natural that this Bin Laden letter would resonate with a lot of young people because it was written in whole or in part by somebody whose worldview has, through cultural processes, gone from being somewhat fringe to being far more mainstream. What is he saying there? No wonder the Gen Zs and the Gen As, no wonder they are, well, actually, this letter makes some good points. You got to hand it to Bin Laden. right? Is it any wonder why they're saying this? This is what they've been steeped in. It's proof of the failure of the K-12 education system for multiple generations. Lastly, it's interesting to note that although standard material on Islamic belief is included in the letter, the letter's overall framework of history and politics is fundamentally leftist. It's not the sort of letter that, uh, that some, uh, he names a cleric here, Salahuddin Ayyubi, would have written, for example. Not really relevant, but the Islamic News and Analysis webzine I edited and co-founded with Amir Butler uh, ran an interview with Howard Zinn back in 2002. Howard Zinn, the, the, the people's history guy, the, the, the guy who wrote textbooks that got used in government education in, in K-12 schools, right? That guy, that education. The TikTok, uh, this, uh, this virality, and on Instagram, this virality of the Bin Laden letter over the last 24, 48 hours, right, is proof that our education system in the West has been corrupted by the cancer of Marxism. It is proof. Marxism that has a record of failure so obvious and so long that only an academic could ignore it. I just... mm. I almost feel bad for Jeff Jackson. I didn't say I do. I don't... I didn't say I do. I said I almost... Feel bad for him. And maybe I would if he hadn't attacked, you know, Bo Thompson like three years ago for no reason whatsoever. But Jeff Jackson, he thought he 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 was like, I'm going to be the next attorney general of North Carolina. He was like, he had the inside track. He announced and everything. He had a bunch of endorsements and, you know, the Democratic Party, his colleagues in the General Assembly who gave him the nickname Baby Jesus, not in a positive way. Um and uh, so he thought, like, this is his time now. Because remember, a couple years ago, when uh, he was going to run for U.S. Senate, he did the 100-county tour. He was going everywhere during COVID. And um, after he finished all 100 counties, Sherry Beasley got into the race, and he dropped out. And he, he called her uh, as a historical candidate, right, because she's a black female. And if she had won, she'd be the first black female U.S. senator from North Carolina. And so he totally bailed on that. And here he is now running for attorney general because our current attorney general, Josh Stein, is running for governor. And so Jeff Jackson, now he's leaving his seat in Congress because he would totally lose a reelection bid because of the district lines got redrawn. And so uh, he's he's now running for AG. And he put out that video of him getting punched in the face a bunch of times. And... Now, Durham County District Attorney Satan A. DeBerry is running for North Carolina Attorney General. Another black female is running against him in the Democrat primary. Oh, I'm sorry. Her name is Satana? Satan? Satana? Satana? 
S-A-T-A-N-A. She's one, and she's one of these uh, reform, quote-unquote, DAs. She's in Durham. Um, so now she's running. She would also be a historical candidate <laughs> for attorney general. <laughs> Uh, see, that's what I mean. I almost feel guilty. Almost feel, not guilty, but uh, feel bad for Jeff Jackson. Oh. So um, I guess he's going to have to drop out of this race, too. I guess. Um, also, WRAL soon to be departing uh, reporter Travis Fain. Uh, yeah, he announced he was uh, going to be leaving the, the station. But, um, he apparently uh, brought to us the hard-hitting news yesterday that we've been mispronouncing Roy Cooper's last name all this time. For real. Two six-packs of shiner, 99-cent butane lighter, lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. Ice down that igloo cooler, take a gas at all to do her. I can feel a good one coming on. So apparently, the family pronounces the last name Cooper. Cooper. Not Roy Cooper. It's Cooper. I think his first name still is Ray, though. Didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight. Situation couldn't be more right. Like the Cooper River Bridge. See, I realize I've been mispronouncing it all this time. I've been calling him my good friend Ray Tyrant. Totally mispronouncing it. That's my bad. That is totally my bad. All right. I'll see you all on uh, Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Yeah.